This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Trying to get by Benning. Darnell Nurse left it in the corner. Gets up center. Perry Oh my God, we got a win. Oh my God. I'm so happy. Against the Stanley Cup champs. Oh my yes, God! Unreal, great, unreal. Over the great <laughs> falls down, and uh, the Ducks stand triumphantly over his carcass at center ice. Welcome back, everybody. Yeah. It's uh, Jay and Silent Bob taking over the post game show tonight. Patrick and Jason uh, are mm-hmm. back in full force. Eddie is, uh, you know, doing can Canadian things in Canada. Doing, you know, whatever he's got going up there. I don't know, man. It- He's just mad about Miller and uh, the fact that uh, now he's the best American-born goalie. Yeah, I like how he took a slight to us for the for putting that in the show notes. Yeah. Like that's not important. Mentioning it. <laughs> like so, before we hop into the show, everybody, everyone who's listening here, I mean, yeah, the Ducks won five-two over the Capitals, and we're definitely going to get get into that. But we're putting together notes. One of us usually takes game notes, and then we all share into the doc. And before we go live, Eddie's like, oh. You just you just had to sneak in Ryan Miller's now the winningest American goaltender and I'm like, did you yeah, just hear what you just I, said? I mean, we had to like slide it in there like it, it didn't it wasn't worthy of the notes for Edward. Sorry. Yeah, sorry. It's it's not Terry Sawchuck or, or Martin Berdour or Patrick Waugh. Like, yeah. sorry, you guys. Yeah, you know, knew about right. hockey. You know, way 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 before everyone else, and now you're jealous that somebody's coming close. I mean, yeah, we're sneaking up. If it helps, he was being compared amongst Americans. Like, there's still yeah. a whole other Canadian level that he hasn't <laughs> hit yet, apparently. We love you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so the Ducks, Jason, uh, come away with a 5-2 to two win in what is Bob Murray's third career head coaching game. Um, yeah. Very interesting one, to say the least, tonight. It, you it didn't was... do air quotes for head coaching. Oh, supreme you, you know, overlord, supreme <laughs> executive <laughs> vice president, head coach, yeah. general manager, Bob Murray. Everything. Yes, yeah. BM. <laughs> yeah, he comes in to, like, uh, you know, to get a sniff of what's going on on the team, and he's just secretly trying to cancel the tank. We were all ready to, to tank here. We're all, you know, gunning it. Let's get that high draft pick. Let's... <laughs> And see, here comes Bobby. I'm partially, partially torn on that because I think on on paper the talent we had is actually 
decent enough and they were just completely underperforming this whole season. And now we're kind of actually playing to what I think our potential is. It's still not upper echelon, but it's everything is better than what it used to be, at least in this game and uh, even, you know, some parts, the other games before, not Boston necessarily. But. There was spurts of it against against the Bruins, but it definitely wasn't like tonight. I mean, I think they caught the Caps on yeah, a bad night, too. For sure. The Caps didn't look yeah, like themselves. But I'm not trying to take away the yeah. win from the Ducks, because I thought they played much better hockey today. Yeah, they might have taken advantage of... Um, you know, Washington, like you said, they, they didn't look all that that quick. So I couldn't really tell if it was uh, the Ducks were playing all that much better or Washington was kind of playing average. Uh, I think they said now Washington is like eight, nine, and three of their last, uh, what was it, 15 games or whatever. I can't do math right now, 20 games. So, um, you know, that's, that's mediocre. They came off of a big win over uh, San Jose, but that was back on Thursday. So they've had rest. So, yeah, I'm not quite sure why they looked a little slow, but uh, I mean, we'll take it. <laughs> winless against Anaheim this year. The Ducks have scored 11 goals against them. You know, not a big deal. But yeah, uh... two games, take it. <laughs> <laughs> Keep coming back. Why can Why can't they be in our division? Let's hop into the pregame notes. Ryan Miller, as we just talked about there, at the beginning of the show, gets his start, a first start in months, um, coming off that knee injury he suffered. Oh, I forgot months, against. Yeah, yeah it, it's been a it's been a minute since Miller's seen nah. some NHL action, but he gets his first start. They said in the broadcast almost seventy days, um, and then uh, a curious situation there as Daniel Sprong gets scratched, healthy scratch tonight there by Bob Murray. Yeah, uh, and they had said uh, that that's kind of one of the things that uh, Bob Murray's going to do is start holding players accountable. And so now he's a little bit closer and he might be able to see things a little bit differently. And he's willing to go ahead and sit him because uh, he didn't, I guess, like uh, something, some sort of aspect, or maybe want to give somebody else a crack at it. And that's uh, looking pretty good at this point because, I mean, the team was, was flying. And quite honestly, almost every line, even the defense was looking good. And I don't say that often. Right? Yeah. <laughs> just, they have That's not. Yeah, hasn't looked good as a Team D. So he's healthy scratch. The way the lines were set up uh, today, too, I've, I've liked it. I really liked you know the injection of youth they brought into the lineup uh, with, with keeping Max Jones and then Troy Terry up. Um, I thought it was interesting they put him with Adam Henrique, who, by the way, had a whale of a game tonight, uh, along with, um, oh my gosh, Jacob Silverberg here. Silverberg yeah. on that line with Grant and Shore, and then Richie, Kessler, and Rowney at the bottom. But then they brought back the magical pair on D, which was Hampus Lindholm and Josh Manson. Again, you know, Murray's been doing that. I don't know why. Why, why did it – we'll get to it in postgame, I guess. But, like, I got to say <laughs> I got to say it real quick. Why did it take all year to see this? Like, Bob, if you knew this was going to work, why were you letting Randy destroy everything? <laughs> Yeah, no, I, I, I don't think, because uh, at least from what he said in the past, too, is he's always been, I'll put the players I think are going to work, but I leave it to the coach to make that decision. Uh, my thing is, is why did Carlisle either fight it so bad or why are the new assistant coaches now realizing that, oh, hey, maybe this was a good idea. We can abandon the 52 previous game idea. And, uh, you know, so it's, it's kind of weird who was making that final call and who's going to be on defense because I always thought it was maybe one of the assistant coaches because it just wouldn't make sense that Randy Carlisle would move away from what worked the season before. Yeah, no, it was very strange. It's good to see um, that him, him bring that back because I felt like they've looked good together. They've looked pretty good together. 
Um, yeah, got, they're still not quite at the same click as no. they had been last season, but I mean, it's three, four games in, um, and they're, they're getting better and they're making a little bit smarter decisions. We'll just kind of see where it goes from here, but I, I've been happier with them for sure. Yeah, and you got to hand out uh, a nice little high five there to Cam Fowler. He had a nice game tonight too. I felt like he didn't look he didn't look awful. He kind of knew what he was doing tonight, <laughs> which was nice to see. He had a nice pretty pass, um, yeah. which we'll get to in a bit. But let's get to the first period before we wait too much longer. Um, Ducks come out flying, Jay. I felt like this first period, the beginning two minutes, you know, they had a lot of energy. Uh, that's something we've seen since Bob Murray's taken over the team. I feel like the Ducks don't come out flat as much. Yeah. And I think tonight was, you know, no different. I felt like they came out and dominated the first couple of minutes of play. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's it's been fun. And, uh, you know, the first first couple of minutes, I mean, uh, you know, short of uh, what we'll be talking about next, uh, the, the Ducks were out shooting them like 14 to 3 through the first 13 minutes of that game and getting tons of scoring chances and either just missing or hoping coming up with some big saves. But, uh, yeah, out of the gate like that, you don't see the Ducks up. 14 to three in shots uh, ever this season. So uh, it was a very nice change of pace for us. Yeah. And it's, and even if it was a little bit of um, the ducks getting, I guess, long distance shots and not in from the house, it was nice to see them control the puck that often. And and I think they're just at the point right now where if you get enough pucks on net, it's that age old adage where you put some pucks Mm -hmm. on it, you score some goals, you know, the old Jim Fox BS, (laughs) but uh, it's true. It's true. Get the pucks to the front of the net, bang home something. It was good to see them take control of the game for the most part in the first period, but you can't stop Ovi every night and uh, (laughs) Ovechkin doing Ovechkin things. A a weird power play here because, or a weird call rather. Lindholm stands up Ovi like he was kind of iffy on taking the body, goes to take the body, leaves the leg a little out. So kind of hard to blame the official. Ovi jumps over it and falls. Mm. It looked like a a tripping or clipping play and uh, Caps go to the power play there. Yeah, and uh, oddly enough, uh, you know, Ovi gets tripped up. He ends up... uh, from his office, ends up squeaking one uh, by Miller. This one actually happens at the exact two-minute mark, so it doesn't technically count as a power play goal. But if you want to count the other shot he had on that power play, like I said, through the first 13 minutes of the game, they had three shots. Two of them really were on the power play. They only had one even-strength shot through the first 13 minutes of the game, which uh, just kind of shows at least a little bit of where the play was directed most of the time. So uh, it's hard. You know he's going to shoot from there. It doesn't matter if he's open. It's just how quickly and how powerful he's able to, to shoot it through. And Miller, credit, almost got there. Just just squeezed by. And uh, he's just he's, – he's done it 40 times this season. So, uh, you know, I think only Wayne Gretzky's had more 40-goal seasons in his career. And so Obi just has to do it two more times to catch him on that one. Just two more. Just 80 more. Just two more. Just 80 more. Hey, he's hit, they said he's hit 30 goals every single season of his career, and that includes lockout seasons. So the dude is either going to hit somewhere in 30 to 40 to 50 range. So, I mean, this year, 50 is not out of the question. It's almost like you want to (laughs) fault Ryan Miller for that goal, but then you realize that Ovi just victimizes every goalie, no matter how good they are, from that same spot with that same shot. He gets so much on that shot it's such a heavy shot that i mean miller has it high and it still trickles in between the arm and the body it's like you almost want to be like that's a bad oh it's ovi it's not a bad goal that's that's legit ovi does that all day (laughs) yeah it doesn't it almost doesn't matter how skilled the goalie is about the only goalie in the league today that 
can't get scored on on an Obi shot like that in a game is Holpe. Mm-hmm. So uh, <laughs> other that's than about that, it. Uh, they, almost everybody has been scored on that way with uh, Ovi. It's just kind of his his office, his home. And until they make slap shots illegal, I just don't see it really slowing down. No, it's not. He's he's a monster. It, it doesn't just, matter what you, what you do. Move on. <laughs> exactly. Um, so we move on here throughout the first period. Uh, Lindholm with a golden opportunity later in the first, able to walk in. It actually squeezes through uh, Braden Holbeast, but uh, he doesn't quite have the OV power behind that shot, and it's able to be cleared out from the <laughs> net before going yeah. in. Um, just a couple of notes here. Go ahead. Sorry, let me cut you off on that one. No, no, no. I was just saying, yeah, he, he made the save. He got enough of it. And uh, it was a little bit unfortunate because it, it just, when it hit, it was kind of on edge and it just stopped right in the crease instead of like rolling somewhere right. where it might have been. It just like stopped right there and then there was no one around for it. But yeah, he, he, uh, Ovi's the best at it. Lindholm did his best impression ish. Yeah, close. <laughs> not really. Yeah, whatever. Yeah, he's, not, he's not as muscular. He's, he's not as crazy, Man, and it's filled with all, all the uh, the Russian power <laughs> that Ovechkin has. Yeah. Uh, throughout the rest of his first period, I feel like the Ducks played well. Um, th- I, I notated here that you know Henrik and the kids. I thought they looked good right off the hop. Um, Max Jones has been very impressive to me in his call up here in Anaheim. It, it's I was kind of worried about that. I was a little sketch behind the Ducks' idea of let's pull the kids away from from something successful and going into a Calder Cup playoff when they have a chance. And instead, bringing him into this dumpster fire, and they're like, "Here, have fun. Here's some NHL time. Yeah. Hope it's fun." But uh, they haven't looked out of place. Terry and Jones look good. I, I, but I honestly feel like Jones is really noticeable lately. No. Uh, yeah, I mean, Jones has got uh, that big body, and he's able to go to the net a but lot he has, more. He has the speed I think, too. Uh, I think my. Yeah, but more less than that. I mean, he's got he's got that mentality of I'm gonna go to the net, I'm gonna be aggressive, and that's kind of something the Ducks have definitely lacked, and what we're all thirsting for. So when we see it, we encourage it, we applaud it, and we want more of it. Terry, in my opinion, has looked really good. He he's far more confident in his abilities and getting the pucks or shots towards the net, and just kind of doing little small things and quick. Uh, you know, both of them are obviously quick, and they have good chemistry together. So when they're out on a line together, they can make Henrik look good. Oh yeah, for sure. And Henrik <laughs> had a great game, right? So let's Absolutely. not take that away from it too. But uh, the first period ends. Ducks out shoot them fifteen to seven. Going on to the second period. A little worried. Second periods have not been the Ducks' friend, and I don't know, man. It feels like the better part of the decade, whether decade. they were good or not. <laughs> it just they've just never played well yeah. in the second period, and of course, it would just start with Ovechkin getting a clear cut breakaway in on yeah. Ryan Miller. Miller is able to outweigh him, get the leg pad on it. Um, a little bit overzealous on the uh, the pinch in of the blue line by Lindholm and Manson there, huh? <laughs> yeah, that, that that was one I saw happen. I'm like, no, 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 don't do that. <laughs> and then it was like, you know, it was, it was high high risk uh, and, um, you know, small reward. It just like, even if they kind of kept it, there really wasn't a whole lot to stay there. So, so why risk being both caught and then having it just thrown up? I mean, but that's clear cut from the blue line in, uh, you know, good on Miller to just kind of stay with it, get those. Uh, when you kind of come in and it goes to a deke and you're kind of down and out and you're not with it, the idea is that you, whatever side they're going, you get your skates and you're down on the ground or on the ice 
you you go as quickly as you can to the post. Get your skate to the post. That's what you have to do. And that's what he did. And he barely got enough of it, but he sealed it off at just the right time. So that's kind of what goalies will have to do on breakaways uh, that become deeks. Well, yeah, on that so, play, like tough. you like you said, uh, you know, not a big reward on that risk. High risk play. Lindy was already in the in the offensive zone, and Manson still stepped up and tried to shoot the puck in. So dangerous play. But Miller is able to come up with the stop, and I felt like he fooled Ovechkin because Miller went in and dropped that leg pad first, yeah. and Ovi uh-huh. was like, "What is he doing? Why did yeah. he already drop down?" And look, he was gearing up to to go in for like a glove save, and then Ovi shows back at him, was like, "I got that deke," and he just slides yeah. in and makes the save there. <laughs> yeah, I've done that. I've done that as a goalie sometimes. It's weird. You almost just read the play a certain way, and then if if it's in a certain situation at a certain time. Uh, you can read a play and kind of almost force a shooter into a spot by making him think you're down. So he went down and, you know, had his knee down, but then his he was already kind of planting his right skate to dig into the ice and help him push so he can get to that post. So he was kind of trying to show that he was down, and since Ovechkin was kind of on that side, he kind of went with that deke. So it, it was kind of one of those things where he probably went like, all right, I'm going to just kind of lower this and take away his five-hole chance and make him try and go around or up high or something. And it, it was a good move to push him to the side, and he very quickly was able to get to that post and seal it off. So, yeah, you're right. He, he more or less kind of helped that play happen a little bit. Like he was, like was going to try to make Ovi shoot high blocker, I felt like, on that play. He was going to try to make him go far side, and he wasn't able to do it. So Ovi realized he, yeah. he kind of ran out of the room there. And uh, Bombay and uh, Brett, by the way, are laughing at you, saying, yeah, you're just like Ryan Miller, Jason. <laughs> I am totally. No, I'm just saying that's what goalies do. I'm not saying I do that. I can't do that. <laughs> In my beer just league, I make goalies... players bite. Like I'm going like, <laughs> yeah. I'm gonna, to I'm gonna give them something but take it away. That's all he's trying yeah. to say. <laughs> yeah, uh, sorry, sorry, I'm not up to their standards of uh, what a beer league goalie should be. <laughs> Unbelievable. Uh, moving on here, the Ducks give up another partial break to Backstrom this time, not Ovechkin, and I think Miller didn't know where that was, but it, it, Backstrom tried to sneak that in five hole on him, but he was able to cover that up. And then the Capitals would ice the puck shortly after, and that would turn into the Ducks' first goal of the night. What a play there. Henrique winning the winning the puck back along the wall gets fed up to Montour who just bombs a shot in on net going high. So Holpe of course is going to play that low, cover the ice. Montour gets a stick or uh, Henrique gets a stick on it as it's on its way in. So it goes from high to low and bounces right by Braden Holpe. Not a chance in hell he's stopping that one. Now it's one one. Yeah, there's no way Holpe really kind of stops that one. I mean, obviously if I was in net, I'd easily have seen that deflection of coming course. before. Yeah. And I would have been in perfect position. In fact, I would have had it, shot it down, and scored on Miller. I'm that good. But, uh, yeah, that one's a deflection right out in front off of a hard shot. So it got put in a really good spot. And uh, Holpe was, you could see his arm coming up to try and catch catch that puck. And then, then it went back. And it was, okay, well, yeah, well, you just chopped up the deflection. And, uh, and that's it. <laughs> no, so it's a good goal. Let it go. Yeah, what are you going to do? And it, it was something that uh, was just a much-needed goal for Anaheim. Like, you feel mm-hmm. like they've had chances like that, and the shot goes high, misses the net, uh, gets stopped in front. They're just not getting pucks through. The offense has been so bad uh, lately on getting uh, chances in on goaltenders. So it was nice to see the Ducks catch a break there and, you know, get a clean deflection. Perfect, perfect deflection there by Henrique. Um, yeah. 
Yeah, like you said, it, yeah, snake bit uh, is you know a common term where it seems like we, we're getting some of those chances. They're just not going in. We didn't used to get a lot of them, but we were getting a lot of them this game, it felt like. Um, so second period didn't start necessarily all that great, but it never felt like we weren't playing bad. We weren't playing uh, – or we were – we weren't playing bad. We were playing well, but we weren't getting rewarded for it. So it's nice to see one of those odd ones go in for us instead of against us, which seems to happen a lot too. Of course. And, and you know what? The Ducks would continue to get chances in the second period. What a spectacular save by Braden Holpe on that Getzloff chance. Getzloff down low. Could have tapped <laughs> that in. Could have, would have, should have. But, you know, Holpe doing Holpe things there in the second period and keeps the you know the score tied right there off, off the side of the net. Beautiful save. <laughs> Yeah, and that's exactly what we were just talking about. Is like that one should have gone in, and they ran into an elite goalie like Holpe, who does the splits, loses the stick, and still makes just just barely on the the heel of the uh, the skate. And it was, uh, yeah. But the only thing you'd wish is maybe either shot it right away, didn't handle it a little bit, or if he kind of put it up high. But at the same time, that looks like a slam dunk, even when he shoots it, and it's just that half of a half of a second that hope he's able to get over yeah what are you gonna do at that point you, you yeah, guess something yeah. everything he possibly could other than exactly, chip it up yeah. i mean and that's tough to do one time. that's in so you just it's the other way you tip your cat to hope he's to go yeah all right that's kind of why he's uh, one of the best oh and, and let's be real for a minute gets used to feeding those pucks to players not used to receiving those <laughs> like, passes surprise! to score yeah he's not used to trying to bury those surprised he didn't yeah. try to pass it back um the Ducks would keep on the, the pressure. <laughs> yeah, drop pass it to, to Backstrom. <laughs> strong shifts continue. Shores uh, line with a strong shift. The kid line again with Henrika. Strong shift. Um, and then the Ducks would keep up the pressure. And then the, the weirdest goal of the night by far has to be this this one here. Uh, Lindholm's able to knock a loose puck in. And keeps it into the into the blue line there. Feeds Silverberg, who's on top of the crease by himself by the way, yeah. and there's no capital around him. Silverberg, all in one motion, accepts the pass, launches it back into the high slot to Henrique streaking in by himself, which yeah. is really strange. And then we see the broken controller Alexander Ovechkin decide not to skate <laughs> and stop anybody. He literally has his stick at his side and just coasts in, not defending He's anybody. Not- Henrik He's not leaning it. in. He's not and, and no effort whatsoever. What are you doing? <laughs> I love I love it when he does that. He's already scored my it's goal. So Screw you guys. I don't play defense. Uh, yeah, right. It doesn't matter. Uh, it, that was part of the problem. It looked like he was about to. I think he was looking to you know flee the zone and be you know get that pass. And then when it didn't happen, he's still kind of like, well, maybe we'll get it back. And he's like, <laughs> oh, I'll just be in the area at this point. <laughs> uh, whatever. Uh, and then Silverberg gets the puck. Off a great pass by Henrik and just taps it in off the post. Hope he's just kind of like, what, what do you want me to do? What do you want me when to do at this up, point? He's just like he's sitting on his butt, just looking around. Like, really, guys? <laughs> There's no nobody one. around him. I don't know yeah. if they took a, they took a page out of Marty Wilford's book on defense there for the Ducks and just decided <laughs> to play that one there because that was brutal by the Capitals. Great opportunistic play there by the Ducks to you know to cash in. Ballsy pass by Henrik because I was like, oh, if you pass that and they don't score, that's that's brutal. Ballsy pass by Silverberg. And by there Silverberg. Was no, there was no one within 15 feet of him, and he's in front. He could have tried three or four deeks, maybe even five, before anyone got within a couple of feet of him. So he could have tried to do something. He was flat-footed, but it looked like he had that play in his mind to send it back out to Henrik, who was kind of coming in with speed. 
Um, and then, yeah, ballsy move by Henrique to send it back to Silverberg. And Silverberg was almost caught. He almost doesn't even put it in. He hits it off the post and in. That would have been one of those things again where if it hits the post and bounces. It doesn't out, go like, in. Really? Really? <laughs> Had to be us. But, uh, but it ends up being a highlight real goal. Yeah, nothing the whole piece is going to do on that one. That's just horrible defense. Oh, of That's course. how I play NHL 19. <laughs> 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 well, that's the, the thing about the Ducks right here is like, if they're a team that's at the top of the league, scoring all the time, if they make something look pretty like that and miss, you're like, yeah, whatever, not a big yeah. deal. But a team who we'll can't score chance. that's passing the puck like that, you're just like, please, please go in. Oh God, please go in. I don't want to deal with this later. <laughs> yeah. So it worked yeah, out great because that'd be a killer if they don't bury that one. That would just absolutely suck. <laughs> and for those people, and it's fun to make fun of Ovi that don't understand that. Defending's not his game. Like he's, you know, they, they, people get people accuse him of being like a one-dimensional player. He all he does is score goals. I'm like, yeah, but he's the best at it. So I think that's okay. If you just have Ovechkin to score a bunch of goals, that's what he does better than anybody else in the NHL. I'm okay with him not knowing how to defend well. I'm okay yeah. with that. He's he's not. He's just solely focused on offense. He's also focused on being physical and physically dominating games. So he has multiple dimensions to what he has, uh, but he's so dominating in that that you let pretty much almost everything else slide. Every now and again, he he kind of picks himself up and you know hustles and gets back on a play. You just don't see it that often. And on a game in a day like today, kind of felt like he was trying to look to add to that 40 goals on the season more than he was trying to uh, stop the lowly Ducks. You, you can't kind of blame him either because <laughs> the Ducks aren't a team that really scores all that much. He probably so, wasn't worried about it. He's like, they're going to miss he, it. He was like, nah, no, nah, I hope he's got this. I was like, oh, another pass. Oh, another pass. Damn. All right. Well, all right. Okay, now we're losing. <laughs> yeah, okay. What else? <laughs> I'll just go out and score two more. So, and then a somewhat controversial goal goes in a little bit later. This one by the Capitals Ooh. to tie it up 2-2. Carlson with a shot from the blue line. Didn't look like an ultra-dangerous shot. I was kind of surprised Miller kind of lost it. I know there was a tiny bit of traffic in front. Lindholm lifts Ovi's stick. The broadcast seems to think it was deflected there. I didn't see a change in direction. I think Hayward's blind. Yeah. Hayward, they have that one angle that's from behind Miller. And from that one... The, the puck looks like it, it makes you know a, a quick turn almost right as it gets to those guys, and their sticks are going up. You look at it from the other one, their sticks are way above where the puck is. By the mm-hmm. time it reaches them, when you're kind of looking from the sideboards, the shot is actually fluttered. So it's one that's end over end. What happens with that is it can dip, it can turn left, it can turn right. It just depends on it. And that's where the problem was, is this shot was going well high, and then dips and shoots to the left. And you can watch it just coming. So it's almost like an optical illusion where it looks like it hits something and goes. But it literally just at that exact moment is when it decided to do a flop over to this way. And it barely hits the bottom of the crossbar, goes down. It's easy to fool Miller because his glove can be up here. And all of a sudden it just goes way left and then dips down. And now you're trying to track something high and in the middle. It just So it's just... A fluky goal, it's not one that's really easy to, to find. It's almost like a deflection. It's just hard to read where that puck's going on shots like that. It was just end over end. Those are those ones are killers. Were you were you worried about the elbow in the corner people were making a fuss about on Twitter? Tom Wilson came in for an elbow and hit Derek Grant on the play where the puck goes off the wall. If you watch the replay, they both go oh, into the corner. Yeah. It was a hit. I didn't really see like a L like a chicken wing or he just he came in and, and shouldered him and 
I, I wasn't yeah. I wasn't too upset about it. Tom Tom Wilson's a big guy, so whether it's an elbow or not, generally speaking, if he crunches you into the boards, you're probably going down. And uh, he was he was uh, you know doing Tom Wilson things. Uh, you know uh, he he creates space for people. He uh, is kind of there as an in- intimidation factor because he is such a big guy and a hitter and a fighter if he needs to. Uh, and he crunched, crunched Grant, ends up causing the turnover that gets the, the puck right to, to Carlson, who flings it home. So um, you can call it borderline, but uh, it didn't, didn't strike me as anything too terrible. No, and let's make no mistake about, about Tom Wilson. Like, he's, he's done some dumb things, and he's paid a pretty price for it, especially this season, deservedly so with the suspensions. But there's not a single GM in the NHL who wouldn't want him on their team. Uh, he, oh, yeah. He's the kind of guy that you want floating around scary, going into corners. When he's on his not, game, not trying to headhunt. But when he's on his yeah. game and can play, that guy can play, and he's a good power forward. When he's chicken-winging guys flying through the zone like this, that's a little bit of a problem. You don't want to yeah. do that. When he's running into goalies like he does later in the game. Ah, Perry um, was there too. He <laughs> kind of be like, oh. I know, yeah, we can talk about that because I don't really fault him too much on it. Uh, but yeah, uh, you get to spend enough, you'll get a reputation. And then people are kind of looking at what you're doing and look at your game and trying to look for where you cross the line. So people might be looking a little bit too into that. You're right. Most teams and GMs and fans would really like a clean version of Tom Wilson on their team. Uh, not for what they're paying him, mm-hmm. uh, but definitely uh, they, There's they the key. wouldn't mind having a guy there. You don't want to <laughs> yeah. pay $5 million for 35 points? That's strange. Yeah, and if he's on another team that's not with Ovechkin and uh, um, um, Kuznetsov, it's a little bit more difficult to see if he can even get close to that in points. So, but that, that, Yeah, no, I agree with you. So getting out of the second period, it's all tied up to two shots or 25-17 in favor of Anaheim. Getting into the third period here. So the Ducks have a power play in the beginning of the third period and somehow cash in on it. Unbelievable. Mm. Unbelievable to me. Holpe makes a mistake. <laughs> a big mistake in front. Uh, there's a scramble in front of the net. And he starts to swim rather than sit put and build the wall on the crease. He reaches for a puck and slides a leg back to go to cover. And at that exact moment, Adam <laughs> Henrique pokes the puck. And it goes yeah. right by Braden Holpe. And that's all she wrote. That's a 3-2 game now for Anaheim. Tis tis, Colby, play your position. Don't go swimming. <laughs> I think it was. I think that whole play was just a bunch of broken plays all kind of together. Oh, the puck was uh, bounced. It was like a ping pong ball in the middle. It was everywhere. And there were legs everywhere. Henrik actually gets an initial shot that Hopi actually gets with his pad. And then it sits about a foot or two. And that's scary no man's land for a goalie because you have to reach way down there to go get it. And you have to do it quick. And you got to, if you look at that replay, Henrik does an amazing job. He actually like sticks his stick in between a defender <laughs> and pokes it just before the glove goes down and it goes right past him on the far side. You can see Holpe going, damn it. Cause I, I know that's just like when you're trying to grab it and you just, you're trying as quick as you can. Cause you know, you're leaving yourself just a little bit open, but he played the percentage of trying to cover it. Otherwise he's got, he's going to have more rebounds and more chaos. And so I think he was just instinct, go to grab missed and Henrik did an awesome job getting in there very quick like a surgeon just sliced in there boom goal you're you're right you could probably totally see it on his face because he's Hopi is literally like this like waiting 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 and then he's like I'm gonna grab it oh there it is (laughs) yeah and before he loses (laughs) Uh, it I mean because he could uh, easily lose it and all those legs and then he's guessing and swimming where it's gonna go after that at least he sees it it's close enough to try and grab and he's just frustrated he couldn't get there quick enough 
a brutal play for him. That's that's unfortunate, yeah. <laughs> really. So yeah. the Ducks go up three to two on that. Perry and Getzloff getting the assist. That's Corey Perry's first point back and first point yeah. this season. How, how have you how felt have you, about his play? I was just going to ask you the same thing. Um, no, I asked you first. <laughs> I don't know. I really felt like this was probably his best game, and not just because of the the score sheet. I just felt like he looked his best. But it's tough to tell. I mean, I would rather come and revisit and give like a real legit opinion on Corey Perry, who I've been very critical of um, prior to this season, after about a couple of weeks. And to see how he's done. They're going to go on the road here, see how he does on the road. Um, I'd say give it 10 to 12 games before you come in and attack Corey Perry's play. That's a tough yeah. injury to come back from. That's a reconstructed knee. He's missed over 50 games. Like You can't just come in and just crap all over his play. I just Even if he didn't score tonight and didn't play great tonight, I would be like, I don't know. I don't know how I feel about him. I, I would love to come back and revisit this in a couple weeks. Yeah, I, I've been pleasantly surprised. I'm not saying he's, he's knocking it out of the park. He's not scoring every night, you know. But um, like you said, being a little critical, I was critical before the season started um, after the injury. I was like, you're not going to say anything close to the same uh, Corey Perry. Um, and I, I think I've seen – pretty close to the Corey Perry from, from last year, but able to put in some goals, be, you know, a little bit, he's a more of a pest in front of the net now and has more of a willingness to drive to the net that I've seen in the last couple of seasons, oh, for which sure. is good, which is good. And that's what I want to see him do. Um, be nice if some of those goals start going in or get some assists, but he's, he's been in the right spot. And that's what I've been happy with. I was afraid he'd shy away or he'd just be on the fringes. At least he's in there. And kind of making a pest of himself, and uh, he landed right on front on Tom Wilson's head after Wilson uh, ran <laughs> over oh, Miller. Yeah. So yeah. it, it was gonna keep going after him too, and then he saw it was a penalty. So I was like, all right, I'll get up. <laughs> oh, you can go away. It's so, okay. I'll, I'll leave you alone. Yeah. So, so I, I've actually been, you know, impressed. I give it, you know, a a B minus uh on his play you know it's it's not upper echelon, but I don't think he's hurting the team by being out there, and he used to be hurting the team when he played. Did you turn your mic off? Because I can't hear you. I guess I did. Uh, it definitely, <laughs> I actually like muted every once in a while because there was noise outside my door. But yeah, no, I actually am not disappointed <laughs> with this play at all. I really don't feel like he's hurting the team whatsoever. Um, but I, like I said, I'll come back and revisit his overall play in a couple of weeks. But the Ducks go back on the power play. The broadcast seemed to notice that the Caps were slow tonight because they mm-hmm. mentioned it quite often. And I've got to say, this third period did not look like a team that wanted to storm back and take the game away from Anaheim. The Ducks very handily and very easily, I felt like, took the game back to the Caps. And, you know, the kid line was doing a lot of it. Every time that Jones and Terry were on the ice, they're flying around, um, no problems at all getting into the zone, creating chances of that speed. And Terry ends up drawing a penalty there. So back to the power play. And this is where we get to the skating ability of Cam Fowler. Uh, not going to talk about his defensive capability as of late because I haven't really given him enough time to turn it around since Murray's taken over, if that's even going to change anything. But uh, what a play here by Cam Fowler on this goal. Skating in on the on the uh, far side, on the right side, dropping in. Keeps his hips open the whole time, so he's looking for a pass or a shot. And then just basically takes a page out of Ryan Getzloff's book and just zips mm-hmm. a perfect feed over to Corey Perry. All clear cut across the ice, splitting the penalty killers. <laughs> For the one-timer. Hope he just doesn't have time to even do anything. By the time he turns, it's already coming out of the net. What a play by Cam Fowler to make it 4-2, man. Just a beautiful play. And a nice shot by Perry to finish it off. 
Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and it's, it's good to mention, you know, just opening the hips a little bit when, when you're a skater like that. It does a, a couple of things. One, it makes all the, the defenders kind of hold back because they're not sure if it's a pass or if it's going to just continue on and maybe make a chance. You leave yourself open. Uh, Crosby does this really well uh, when he's around the net, and it, it just it's hard to hit. It's hard to pick up what they're going to do. Same for a goalie. Goalie's thinking, uh, I'm not sure if he's looking off my defenders. What are my defenders going to do with this? Uh, but that was just a perfect pass because even if it was, you know, a little bit slower, a little bit in a different spot, you know, other than what it was, hope he could probably get over there. He actually had a stick kind of in the area, even though he was down and out. And that's a hopey like thing to do to somehow get it with the heel of his stick on a play he has no business stopping. So an uh, all in one motion, Perry fires it. And that's also another key is just it. It was bang, bang, quick play. But. Fowler's game was noticeably good offensively. The skating ability, I saw him jump in on a lot of plays. If it didn't work out, he was skating back out of the zone really well. I thought him and Delzato actually played a very decent game. But also to the point, Washington is one of the worst teams in the third period mm -hmm. going into this game. Their goal differential was minus 16. All the other ones, they're, they're pluses in the first and second by tens of goals. So, so it's not a team that, that plays all that well in the third period. We got to see that firsthand last time they played, and the Ducks came storming back for a 6-5 win against uh, Washington. I think they're down, what, four goals? 5-1 to one or something like that, and they came back to win it. So um, the Ducks were just absolutely flying. Uh, I know Oshie didn't play in that third period, too, and that can sometimes create havoc in the line. Oh, he's a valuable player. I'm sure that Especially caused some sort of problem play. there. Mm -hmm. yeah. So the Ducks go up. 4-2, to two. Caps can't stay out of the box. They take another penalty, uh, but the Caps are easily able to kill that one as well. But the Ducks continue to push, and the Ducks get another goal. Their fifth goal of the night goes to Jacob Silberg. Who else would it go to tonight? Really, I mean, besides maybe going to one of the kids who I thought pushed really hard, but Jacob Silberg had a whale of a game, and this shot was just, I mean, Holpe, his expression <laughs> on his face after this one. And Grant comes up the wall, puck gets deflected, he, uh, the defender goes to take out Grant. He has no puck support behind him, which is really unfortunate for Braden Holpe because that's Jacob okay. Silverberg. Carlson's out of position he, already, and he just rips it over the shoulder, and it's 5-2. Yeah, a couple of uh, keys to that one is one, I didn't know that uh, Jacob Silverberg is also an NBA player because that was a hell of a jump. Oh, the jump grab. All the way up. <laughs> he had to get every little bit of that frame to just get it and then be able to drop it down. Puck kind of rolls, which makes the shot even more incredible, the fact that it wasn't really flat and in his wheelhouse. The second part of it was the quickness. You mentioned uh, Hol Holpe's uh, reaction to it. He, just he, like barely moved that, he barely <laughs> moved that glove, and it was already top shelf and in. It was put in a beautiful spot. Water bottle goes flying, which everyone loves to see. Everyone loves that uh, one. But yeah, Holpe is just like, just like he tried to raise it, but he already knew it was past him, and he wasn't deep. He was a, a solid two or three he feet came out, out. Of the top of the crease. I mean, he challenged. And that shot was so fast and just right off of there. There was just – there's no time to react in that situation. They're too close and he just roofed it. It was Well, I mean, when nice, you buzz nice the play. tower like that, you put it by a goalie's head and that's a mm -hmm. tough shot no matter what. And the fact that he was able to release it like that, it just made all the difference like you said, man. He, no matter what, I hope he would have to be a foot in front of him to stop that. He would have to be so He'd close to, to take that away. Yeah, yeah, either that or he'd have to guess that it was going there already. And the fact that the puck wasn't sitting flat, that's hard to read already because you're not quite sure where that puck might even go. It may not even go where Silverberg was planning on putting it. 
And, uh, you know, so you're, you're kind of almost in a reactionary state. And when it's shot that fast from that close in that spot, once again, tip the cap, but it was so funny. All I can still see is Holpe's expression because they have the camera from all the way down. And he's just like, he doesn't even look at the puck. It just goes in. He just sits there and goes, there it is. Wow. All right. Well, there's five. Awesome. <laughs> he just like sat on his knees for a while, didn't move, just kept staring forward blankly. Uh, like I said in our notes here too, it just looked like after I saw that I wrote, Caps just looked defeated because they did. Yeah. After that, it just kind of felt like it was over. Grant would hit a post later in the third period to come close to make it in at six to two, but the game would end five to two. Very much improved game from Anaheim. Not the the greatest defensive game, but. My God, was it nice to see the offense be able to get turned on there, man. I, I yeah, really, like, It really felt good to watch this game and be like, yeah, I got to cheer tonight. There's <laughs> Holy crap. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I told my wife, no, no, no. Put away those depression pills. I got a good one today. <laughs> <laughs> this, is a, this is a good one. I finally yeah, felt yeah, a you, good you day. Can put, you can put that away. You know what? Put it in the, uh, the medicine cabinet. It might stay there for a while. I don't know. I'm, that's me being extra optimistic, but... Put it on the uh, Tuesday shelf. We might need a Tuesday. Yeah, the Tuesday <laughs> shelf. Yeah, wait, wait till the next game. Uh, but what what I also liked, uh, you know, it felt a much more complete game from the Ducks. Uh, their scoring chances were crazy in the third period over, over that. It's like they got the fifth goal. And I'm so used to seeing the Ducks, if they somehow have a lead in the third period, it's prevent defense. I don't care if it's one nothing, 2-1, whatever the score is. If they're up by one or more, they just go into a shell. They just try and clog down the middle, and they stop whatever was working or possibly working. After we were up 5-2, we're still getting chances. And I saw one particular moment where I'm like, oh, wow, I haven't seen this before this season. And that was the Ducks are up. There's maybe four minutes left. We're up by three goals. Their guy goes behind the net holds on to the puck, just kind of standing there, not really doing anything. It would put Kessler right in front of Holpe and then two other players guarding the wings. We had three guys in the offensive zone, you know, not necessarily forechecking or pushing the issue, but we weren't all back, you know, giving them an outlet to try and figure things out. It was just, we're still in your face. We're still here. So you better start playing because we're not leaving. And that was just nice feeling, cool to kind of see. It was just different. And I like that, Ducks. Would you ever have thought going into this game that the Ducks would actually outchance the Capitals in the house, the high danger area, nineteen to seven in all situations? Nope. Holy nope. hell! Right? I mean, I, 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 I can't believe that we were we were out shooting them that uh, fourteen to three in the first, and they only had really one um, even strength shot. I thought that was just already amazing. So it was. Uh, a pleasant surprise, and no, I would not have pictured that before this. I would picture, oh, it's a it's a special ceremony night. They'll disappoint in a very big way. The Ducks almost controlled sixty two percent of the scoring chances in this game. Outshot the Capitals thirty nine to twenty five. I love trolling our friends on our group text. I totally was bashing the Ducks offense and that, and he comes right <laughs> back and gets upset. And I'm like, I'm over yeah. here laughing because this this is yeah. a great game. Offensively, it was a great yeah. game for Anaheim. A couple of defensive lapses. But um, Miller that was able to wash those up. Anyways, That's what happens. It's, it's the course yeah. of the game. You can't be perfect. Uh, the Ducks nope. are far from it. But their offense tonight was a beautiful thing. And it came against uh, a pretty good opponent. And whether that opponent had an off night or not, I'm taking it because it was fun to watch. Um, the, the kid line, man, it looked good. Like they, they were yeah. the second best line, um, you know, according to my favorite stat, the analytics stats, looking at all of the, mm. the scoring chances and the, and the possession stats. They were the second Fancy best line to, uh, to the Getzloff line. Getzloff, Perry, <laughs> and Raquel played very, very well tonight. 
very, very wild. Yeah. So, I mean, even, even I think it was Eric Stevens or Elliot Tiford, one of the two on Twitter was like, uh, Getzloff's line doing something we saw five years ago tonight. Like, yeah. you're just playing that good. Yeah, and they kept it in the zone, too. Uh, they had a lot of good keeps on defense. I mean, there were there were multiple chances within a single shift uh, where, once again, that's not what has been the norm for the Ducks. It's been maybe get a shot on goal if you're lucky, and it's one and done. The other team's usually got it, or it's immediately back out, and then we're defending for the next, you know, 25 minutes. So it's it's uh, it, it was definitely good on a lot of different levels, a lot of different lines. Everyone was kind of really kind of, pitching in and it was a very complete team game in my opinion i thought every line uh had moments where they shined really well yeah and to the fancy stat lovers the best defender on the ice was cam fowler which is <laughs> something we haven't talked about all year so kudos, flying, kudos to cammy there all right and we man. you mentioned it a minute ago we hadn't even talked about it because this game was so action-packed but this was scott niedemeyer night the ducks yeah. retired the third jersey in the history of the organization tonight. And we didn't even mention it because this game was a win in an exciting fashion. It, it wasn't like this; they stumbled the victory. It was actually a somewhat of a, of a pretty dominant performance. But now we get to talk about an all-time great. We get to talk about number 27 who got lifted up to the rafters. Um, you're my favorite. Uh, Korean Solani were there tonight, as well as mm-hmm. many others in the ceremony. Um, man, what a, what, a, what, a, what a night. What a night for, for Scott Niedermeyer. I think he really, really deserved it. Um, I don't. I. I mean, shoot. You. You want to talk about winning a cup, but uh, those stories they were telling about him, you know, guiding him through the playoffs and yeah. telling him not don't go after Daniel Alverson. We're not here to do that. Well, how well, do you feel about Scotty? <laughs> how do I feel about? The how do you feel about Scotty? Yeah. How do you feel about him? Like, is is he is he somebody you felt should have gone up in the rafters? And you know, was it was it awesome for you, or how did you feel about it? <sighs> Uh, somewhat conflicted in that sense as far as should he go in the rafters um yeah hall of famer uh in my opinion uh top three defensemen to ever play the game i gotta throw or lindstrom and him in there so it's definitely it's definitely nicholas lindstrom scott niedermeyer and then bobby Orr, right (laughs) you just like to say that to piss off a few of our friends (laughs) but um in no particular order uh i have them all three up there they all did the game um how dare just I make a sweep any, the best defenseman ever? Better than anybody else. So, um, so anyways, the the thing is, so to not take away from him, it was just it's hard for me to go for a guy who is known for his time with a, another team. And yeah, he came over and he was great and he was our captain for the seasons he was here. And he, without him, there's no way we win the cup. So I, I tip the cap to that. It's just not something I'd really say. Well, that that jersey should never be worn by another Ducks player ever again. Uh, that that's just one where I kind of go, eh, that makes sense in New Jersey, maybe where won three cups, but not not necessarily here. But you know, I'm not is he not without a doubt the greatest defenseman to ever wear a duck sweater? Yeah, like I said, top three all time. So then like that's why Lynch, they did it. Right? Lindstrom and Orr on here, <laughs> but that's why but they did I it. Would say, I think they did it because he was also the captain, captain for he five was years, the best defense. Yeah, best defenseman, you know, uh, that we've ever had talent-wise and leadership-wise. But um, He won the cons at, my th- at the year. same time, I, I feel a jersey retirement is, is what he has done over his career playing with that organization. And though you can add Stanley Cup and captain and a very skilled player, it's just he wasn't here for 13 years or 10 years or something like with Korea and so, so long. So that's what I was you know. going to get to. He, he played five years. And yeah. he was captain for all five of those years. Mm-hmm. Had he played ten, is your opinion different? 
Yeah, uh, I would. Um, if he played 10 and we got 10 years of, of watching that greatness, don't get me wrong, loved the five years that we got with him. Um, it, you know, it doesn't have to be 10 years. Uh, I think if he was there seven, eight, I mean, I might be nitpicking. I just feel more comfortable if it was seven, eight, or close to half or majority of your career. Solani will always be known as a duck. Korea will always be known as a duck. Scott Niedermeyer will be known as a duck, but more known for everything he did in New Jersey. Yeah, I, I could see where you're coming could with that. Uh, he's yeah. he's definitely one of the greats, but I could see your point of view on that. Great night for Scotty, though. Uh, lots of memories of him just being able to take control of the game. So many times, I remember you and I growing up watching uh, the Ducks play. Then when he came to Anaheim and then bringing him bringing the cup in, you know, his first year. Uh, as the Mighty Ducks captain and not quite getting there, right? Losing to Chris Pronger, and then we get Chris Pronger, and then they together bring it around. But it was always a calming factor. I remember, you you watch a game, the game gets tight, they play Scott Niedermeyer for 25 minutes. You're like, oh, well, okay. (laughs) Exactly. You could just take all that pressure off and just change a game by by just a shift where he just... Maybe just lollygags for a little bit. Doesn't quite do anything. And then all of a sudden he's like, oh, there's a lane. And he just beelines through there, creates a chance. All of a sudden, whatever momentum was going against them, it's going the other way. And he, he could, he could, we say how great of a skater Kev Fowler is. Scott Niedemeyer was even more effortless. He could skate backwards faster than he could skate forward. And that's insane. <laughs> so, and he was just smart about everything. So, uh, you, you can't replace that intelligence. And it's one of those things where it's like, oh, that shot's coming, and he'll just like knock it down with his stick. You know, before is now it's so commonplace with eye hand coordination. He he could do that all the time. He would make the poke check at the right time. The leg would be in the way for a block at the right time. He'd find the open guy, or he'd be that open guy, or he'd just be on the side of the net, and the puck shoots right to him. Somehow he gets it and it goes in. I mean, yeah, his first year with Anaheim, he had sixty three points. Second year, sixty nine points was the year they won the cup. Uh, just an unbelievable effort from him year in and year out here in Anaheim. And throughout his career, he was just, a, just an outstanding performer. So it was nice to see his jersey get retired. Uh, we'll definitely have fan questions about other players being retired mm-hmm. and other questions coming here, which we'll get to. Just a couple more yep. post-game notes before we get to those. But to Eric Stevens asked on Twitter, after Jacob Silverberg scored his second of the night, getting his team leading 15th, his third in his last four games, trade sign, trade sign was the Twitter uh, message there by Eric Stevens. And I know that um, I think you and I, Eddie, are all on the same page. I'm still trading him at this point in his career. just based on his age and what he's expecting. If this is a 21-year-old Jacob Silverberg, sign him. Yeah. If it's a 28 Jacob Silverberg, he's returned 29, trade him. Yeah. <laughs> That's just what he yeah. is. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm kind of – I'm, I'm not as 100% – sold on the idea but i think it's the right one either way i'd almost want him to be better i think for the same same reasons uh that uh, bob murray is really reluctant to trade him and just wants to re-sign him at least that's what it's been said that he's working you know he's working on re-signing him i think it's because they they traded away bobby ryan and they got he was the he was the other piece coming back and that's the piece we were hoping could do better he is streaky he does Get injured from time to time. He does have a streaking goal scoring wise, at least. Uh, he's a good two way uh, forward, which you know that's there's value there as well. Uh, but yeah, I think the window for what he can do is probably passed. Uh, but when he has games like this and he's doing it in front of Bob Murray, who's on the coach, 
that probably ends up going a long way for Bob Murray, uh, especially if the Ducks keep winning and uh, he's a contributor of that. You, you'll probably try and see him re-sign him if he can. Um, Doesn't that play into probably... Silverberg's hand more, though? Like, look how much money I'm worth. I'm the only guy scoring. I lead your team in goals, Bob. What do you it mean you're really not going to give me a 6x6? Six six? What Bob's mindset is. And I don't know if him being a coach now and then the team's actually looking decent, if he's starting to go like, well, hey, we're only five points out of a playoff spot now. Um, do we want to trade our top goal scorer <sighs> um, and you know at least maybe try and make it into the playoffs? Who knows? I don't think it's no, the right please. avenue. But now that he's a coach and he's in there, he might like the fact that he's winning and might want to try and uh, bump up his uh, coaching credentials before he uh, calls it quits after the season. I don't know. It just depends what he wants to do, where he feels the team is. But he's usually pretty good at reading where the team is and if they're worth it. And he's he's not really going to do anything that's going to hurt them long term. So if he signs them, he, he's going to probably try and sign them for cheap and hopefully um, – that cheapness will, uh, you know, and he gets back to goal scoring a little bit more, a little bit more often. Silverberg's literally so going to look at Ryan Kessler's contract and look at Ryan Kessler's stats and be like, what's up, man? I think I drove that bus. I don't think Kessler drove that bus when we were good. I think <laughs> wow. I did. Look how good I am still. Uh, if you, you, yeah. You're going to pitch everything you possibly can if you're, if you you're Jacob Silverberg's agent as to, as to how much of a better hockey player he is and deserves $6 million, which I think is probably what he's going to ask for. That's and I've heard and, they were far apart. It's hilarious that you hear like from uh, from insiders that they're far apart, and then you hear Bob Murray go, oh, "We're gonna, you know, we're gonna sign him," and then Silver's like, "I don't want to go anywhere else." Any day now. Like, oh Jesus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's they, they play it all in front of the, the press, and you know that's that's the game that they all end up playing. But uh, yeah, it's it's a little tough for me to think that all of a sudden we sign Silverberg for five or six million and uh, he's going to start producing 50 60 points and uh, there's going to be a goal scoring threat because i mean he's got a good shot it just he's, in my opinion he's a little too streaky and unreliable and I, I, if if there's still someone who wants to try and take him at the trade deadline you can get good returns for it it just depends what the market is i think it'll happen really quick depending on who is the bigger free agent or uh, trade that happens at the trade deadline and teams start to try and react to that. And they, there may not be a lot of, you know, defensive forward, two-way players that can, you know, should be able to score goals like Silverberg. So, I mean, it could be a rental for somebody that's willing to trade a high draft pick. I mean, it's it's just going to come down to what he's going to be worth come trade deadline, right? It's just, and that's, you're going to want that, you're going to want that draft pick. That's what Bobby's going to want to grab if he's going to grab anything. He's going to want a first-round pick. Um yeah. Let's go ahead and get to our fan questions here. We, we're almost at the hour mark, so let's get Ooh. started on those. Actually, real quick, anybody yeah. who booed, if you were at the game tonight and uh. listening to the show and you had the balls to boo when Scott Niedermeyer <laughs> was giving credit to Randy Carlisle for coaching the 0607 Stanley Cup team, you can F right off. Let it go. Yeah. That's, that's, that was the happy days. Don't crap on the happy days. Just because Carlisle doesn't fit in today's NHL doesn't mean that you have to go boo him from you know twelve years ago. Let it go. It's ridiculous. I can't believe you're a Carlisle sympathizer. You had oh, me cool, man. Are you kidding you me? me? I got cool. so much crap on YouTube for crapping on the organization about that. Come on, give me a break. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I, the only reason I would think fans might do it, well, two. There, there could be the uneducated fans, you know, know just a little bit, wanted to yell at the coach, but it might have also been the fans. 
only time to voice their opinion on Carlisle, and so maybe they did it. I don't think it's a real smart thing. It pulls away from uh, everything Scott like, Niedermeyer doing. There was doing. like crap on the internet saying that was going to happen. I'm like, come on. Yeah, mob mentality, you know. Yeah, let's do it, let's do it, you know, and it, it didn't matter, you know. The only way that gets avoided is do either you, if the team wasn't sucking or if Carlisle was fired a long time ago. Do you find it hilarious that Paul Correa didn't get booed, but Randy Carlisle, who wasn't even there, got booed during Scott <laughs> Niedermeyer's yeah. jersey retirement ceremony? Why would Correa get booed? Oh, is because of all the, all, all the stuff that happened oh, prior. Yeah, like yeah. Everyone was saying, we're going to go there and boo him, F him. Never, you're never welcome back to the pond. I was like, mm. oh, God. And then we were there yeah. and nothing happened. Scotty yeah. says, Carlisle. And I was like, ooh, there's like five or six people. It's a little, in the crowd little too screaming. soon. I, yeah. So, uh, yeah. It was like, like six I said, people. I, I think maybe, maybe it's a, you know, a few people that just wanted to voice their opinion because they don't feel heard or it took so long. So they wanted to, what you know, just get their last me? little, last little jab. I'm not condoning it. Just saying that's a possibility. Um, I found it funny though that like everyone else had prepared statements, and then Solani was just just rifting whatever he could with Paul, and just, just trying riff. to like come up. with kept looking back at him, trying to talk to him. It's like dude, everyone's like facing forward. At least Paul's a good sport, so is uh, uh, Niedermeyer. But it was kind of funny just watching them both go up there, and you know you got jokester and improv master extraordinaire over here, <laughs> and you got Paul Korea just trying to reel him in. Got to got to keep control of Timu. Uh, yeah, so one right. of the questions on on uh, Instagram here is why is Corey Perry so effing good? That comes from Ice Tigers Forever. I think Corey Perry used to be really effing good um, mm-hmm. and had a good game tonight for sure. That's what I'll say yeah. about him there. Yeah, it, it was yeah, good we, to we see talked. him score, man, and he was stoked about it. Yeah, I love the way he scored. Dude. Yeah, he scored, and then he almost had the stick she like he hosted the it. sword. Yeah, he put, he put, the, <laughs> he put the, uh, the sword away like a three musketeers on one knee, giving a good little point over to Cam Fowler. Thanks for that pass. Oh, dude, he uh, loved that. He followed him. He was yeah, like, he was, he yeah, he was holding that pose and then for a while. pointed right at him. Oh, it was a beautiful thing. <laughs> beautiful thing. Yeah. So, so, yeah, I'm pleasantly surprised how he's playing, but we'll see, you know, kind of going forward if he kind of gets anywhere close to what he was maybe a couple of years ago. But uh, he's looking better, in my opinion, better than I would have thought. Then uh, Chris Chris Valdivia from Instagram says, with the Ducks now having five now five points back, do you see them still having a shot at the last wild card spot? Um, yes, and I don't think yeah. they should go for it, though. I, I don't think that that should be any indication. They've played this bad for how long, and their five points back should tell you a lot about the division and should let you know that them going to the playoffs does nothing but bring in a couple extra bucks. They're still going to get dominated come playoff time. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's crazy to me that they, that they are that close. In my opinion, yes. Same thing. Uh, they can make it in. Uh, I would be surprised if they make it in, um, unless this team really has kind of turned a corner. And I won't say turn a corner, but a light switch kind of turned on inside them that, that Carlisle firing might have done something to just kind of get their butts in gear or having Bob Murray behind the bench, get their butts in gear. Cause this team has always had the talent, like on paper, they, they look, you know, good. I mean, play, they should be playing a lot better than they have this whole season. Um, I'm starting to see some of that, but I'm not sold. It's too, too, too little, too late. In my opinion, um, they got a lot of ground to make up. And the fact that goal differential is just God awful. I mean, if they could, if they could play the Capitals like the rest of the season, oh yeah, have a then, great chance. Then, then they'd be good. They'd be awesome. But uh, yeah, even if they get in and it's in a wild card spot, you're looking at Vegas, San Jose, or Calgary at this point. Um, although we've had great success against Calgary uh, in past seasons, uh, this is a better 
quicker Calgary team than we've been used to seeing. So um, I don't think it bodes well because they lose out on a lot of good draft picks that they could possibly get, um, all just to get into the playoffs and probably be bounced in the first round a la last year. So Chad Clevenger from Instagram, uh, he wrote to us and said, is Henrik the new Kessler? No, you're talking about two different types of players. Well, I mean, uh, I mean, like, I guess you, in like production level, I guess you could say he's going to take like, that I role, right? I think he's the number two center right now, and right. That, that used to be Kessler's job. Um, Kessler was a, a face-off wizard. Henrik uh, is average. Um, Kessler is far more defensive and an agitator. And that could also plot goals um, and a shutdown guy. Henrik can play responsibly on defense. Uh, he doesn't put up as many points or as many goals as Kessler has in the past. I don't so know. That's, gonna... that's, that's tough. Yeah, it's it's a tough one, but I mean, you know, it's, they, they they don't play. They're not the same players, uh, in my opinion. Henrique has moments where he can shine and score goals and looks a lot more offensive, but he's not as gritty or grindy, I would say, as Kessler is. That You're not going to really see Henrique too often bury his nose. Like in that power play goal where he scored, he was kind of outside and just kind of knifing in with the stick. He wasn't in on top of it, holding people up, trying to kick it loose, getting a goalie's face. It's it's not really Henrik's style. So I think he's our number two center kind of moving forward, but, um, you know, if he's not traded, but he's he brings different things than Kessler does. And I mean, he's, he's a 20-goal guy. <laughs> he's a 20-goal guy every year, Henrik, except for this season. He's only got 10. Uh, the rest yeah. of the team's been pretty bad. But, I mean, last year... Uh, 2017, 2018, he had 24 goals and 26 points for, or 26 assists for 50 points. Season prior, 40 points. Season prior, 50. Season 43 again. Season 43 again. So he's he's a productive guy. He's I think he's definitely he's that that second line center. Um, he's not like a he's not an elite center by any means, but he yeah. he's a role center, and I think he's really good at his role. Uh, but like you said, I, I think Kessler in his prime was more of a shutdown guy. He could also score. He's a better two-way defender and offensive guy. I think, guy he, I than think he had a 40-goal season at one point. So Ryan Kessler? Yeah. yeah, I think so. I believe so. I, mean, I think that was back in the Vancouver days. But, um, you know, his progressions that, or his point production is, is falling off as his injuries are kind of taking over. He's also not playing as many games. So, um I think he's moved, like I said, I think Henrik's moved into the second center role. But I don't think he's the next Kessler because he's just that's not that's not a skill set a skill set's not that grindy agitator type let's see let's get over to Twitter and see if we got anything there if not we can hop into chat I can't see YouTube chat Eddie if you want to pop in somehow um, somewhere (laughs) if you're watching YouTube and you want to throw them in our in our uh, Twitter DMs it'd be great but if not that's okay Um, I gotta ask you Bombay in our chat said uh said that uh, Ryan Miller is 50 wins away from breaking, which seems like a lot, because it is. 50 wins away as a goaltender is a lot, especially at Ryan Miller's age. Uh, From breaking into the top 10 all time for goaltenders, do you think he does it? No, not that he's... It depends if he wants to keep playing. Um, It's going to be hard for teams to want to take him unless it's a backup role um it's gonna be really hard for him to be a starter and he's also very selective of where he wants to go he doesn't want to leave southern california his his wife is an actress so his family's here it's where he wanted to be uh two or three years ago uh but the ducks they they had freddie and they had gibby so they didn't really have room for him 
so he went to Vancouver for a little while. So now, now he got an opportunity to be backup. That's his new role. It's extremely difficult unless he plays another four seasons as a backup, and they uh, someone wants him as a backup for four years, uh, where he can maybe get into that 50 win mark. So it'd be tough for him to crack the top 10, in my opinion. Not impossible because you look at what he's doing at 38; he looks like a stud still. So. Uh, but it, it's going to be a tall order because he's not playing number one goalie unless it. Yeah, he's just not going to be playing in Southern California, and that's where he wants to play. So Garrett on Twitter says five points out of a playoff spot with 23 games left. The team tonight looked like a team that should be in the playoffs and could actually make it past the first round. Is it too late, or do the Ducks have time to work their magic? I think that tonight, Jay, I, <laughs> I feel like tonight was just – a good night. Things kind of went their way yeah. against a Caps team that wasn't playing well. And I'm not trying to take anything from, anything away from Anaheim, but to think that they're going to come in and make some noise in the playoffs is a big ask of this lineup, even even if they sneak in, it's a big ask. Yeah, once again, like I said earlier, when they get in, they're still in trouble. They they can't compete against Vegas. They have yet to, to show me anything against Vegas that makes me think they can get they've beaten Vegas once. One time, uh, other than that, that was last year. Other than that, they when they play them, they get dominated. Absolutely. Whether they you get blown out score-wise or they just are just barely able to, to see them way in front of them. I mean, they just can't play that speed against that team. Um, San Jose is better than they were last year as far as personnel. And we got swept in the first round. And the Ducks were arguably a much better better team at the end of last season when they kind of charged into the playoffs uh than they are now and uh, so i don't think they compete against san jose and calgary might be the only one only just because we have maybe that swagger against them but Ooh, other than that know, on paper uh, once again that's a long shot so if those are your prospects of getting in um you're not going far so i i don't care if they're playing a little bit well right now Washington is not playing well, so you can't, unless I'm seeing this consistently against teams in our division or conference, I'm reserving judgment that they're going to get in and if they're going to get in and actually be good. Because once you get into tournament style or you get the playoff format, it's easy to start cracking down and tighten things down, and they're already tough to score goals. So Brett says, why can't we even tank properly? This team could be great. Drops to the bottom of the pack. This team could land Hughes. Starts playing real hockey again. That's how we feel, too. That's exactly how I feel, too. That's a good point. I don't think anyone wants to tank, and especially uh, right now, the Ducks have been told by Bob Murray, he's like, show me something, because if you're not showing me something, uh, I'm moving you. And, uh, you know, and it even seems like he's willing to ask Getzloff to wave his no trade. I don't think he would. But, I mean, it, it kind of, you know, seems like anything's a possibility at this point. So that's a quick way to light a fuse under someone's ass and get them playing again, whether it's for the next contract or if it's to stay here in your home. <laughs> so Tabernak on Twitter says, Terry, Jones, and Shore have had some really great chances and sequences lately. What are your guys' opinions of their gameplay as of late? And is anyone else standing out to you? Um, for me, it's Max Jones. I just, he's a guy I've noticed every single night since he started playing, period. And Devin Devin Shore has been okay. He's had some chances here and there. He's definitely not the dynamic type when you're looking at a Terry or Jones prospect level player. But uh, Max Jones, for my money, has been the kid that looks so ready to jump up to the NHL next season. Yeah, uh, he's one. Uh, Terry, my opinion, he's there too. Um, He's, he's got the speed. He's got a good shot. He's, he's, 
he said he's he's now at a point where he knows he can kind of play in the NHL. But when he's out there, he's hustling after pucks. He's doing a forecheck. I mean, just a lot of things are, are going right with both of those guys. Like you said, sure, uh, he's kind of hit or miss. He can play well some nights. Some nights he doesn't. Same with Sprong. I, I like him as well. And even Derek Grant. They're not as consistent, in my opinion, as the Terry and Max Jones. Max Jones has more of the body and the style that the Ducks like to play. But it's it's they're here next season, in my opinion. I don't see why you keep in the AHL since they dominate down there anyways. And they play really well together. So I feel that uh, those are the guys that uh, you're kind of looking right now, a glimpse at the future. Yeah, it's a, it's a good one for those two players, in my opinion, as well. Uh, McCann says, is there an unwritten rule where if a jersey number isn't retired, players still respect a particular one enough not to wear it? That's a tough one because I think it depends more or less where you play. I feel like at a big market like Boston, you're not going to wear a jersey number that maybe is beloved there. But if you come to Anaheim and besides number eight, I think any number was available prior to that. <laughs> That's the only yeah, one that it, no one was going to touch. Yeah, um, yeah, I, I don't think so because everyone kind of moves on at some point, and um, you know, uh, as far as their careers, and unless you know they were beloved and played exceptionally well for a long period of time, like for example, you could even say, you know, for a lot of people, Cogliano is that person um, that a lot of fans really adored. But I guarantee you, at some point, somebody else will come in and wear a Cogliano number. Oh yeah, I mean, we're number seven. At, at some, right? at some yeah. point, you can't you'll have so many players play over so long a period of time that you can't just out of respect, even though it's not in the rafters, I'm not going to do it. You're going to start running out of numbers at some point, the way the ducks are retiring numbers nowadays, they may run out of numbers anyways, but uh, you know, it's, it'll be kind of generational. So, I mean, you maybe don't see a Cogliano replacement next season or the season after, but start talking four or five years down the road people who don't really remember Cogliano or weren't fans when he was around or for the whole time he was around, there's, there's not that, that belovedness of the number anymore. So unless it's something that's in the rafters, I think every number is pretty much fair game. Maybe give it its due time if the player just left. But So another question that uh, has come through chat was, how close are we to seeing John Sebastian Jaguar getting retired? That's the one I probably would have pegged ahead of Niedermeyer just because of uh, how great Jaguar played. Uh, it's, you know, during the, his tenure here and the fact that he was uh, one of Conn Smythe in the year that we didn't win the cup, uh, which is very rare for the losing team to have, the uh, you know, the MVP of the playoffs get uh, Conn Smythe. But then uh, he was arguably one of our best players, if not for Scott Niedermeyer, in the cup run. And once again, he's one of those guys that, I really, I, I couldn't consider him to be an all-star or a Hall of Famer, in my opinion. I, I think he's, you know, a little bit below that. He was dominant for such a long time. Uh, but I also feel that he's one of those guys that he was good enough and almost Hall of Fame worthy. And you know him because of what he did in Anaheim. He was an Anaheim duck. It's not what he did in Calgary or not what he did in Toronto or mm -hmm. Colorado. It was what he did in Anaheim. So I would have pegged him probably before I would have taken Scott Niedemeyer. Uh, but you kind of split hairs a little bit. That's just my take on how put retiring a number should work. I, I could see that. I, I would agree with you. I think John Sebastian Jaguar probably should have went before Scotty. 
we probably should have went before Scott Niedemar. I agree. I think a lot of fans retired. Yeah, I, I think you have to kind of retire Jaguar. It'll be a few was, years out from here, but yeah. I mean, he didn't have the most amazing numbers, right, in yeah. his career. He wasn't like um, at the same level as Tamu Solani or Scott Niedemar were for their position when they played. Which, I mean, <laughs> right? But I mean, I think with Jersey retirement is more or less kind of like, what have you done for the team? Not what have you done for the league? As you're not, yeah. you, we're not asking Jaguar to go to the Hall of Fame. We're asking Jaguar to go to the Rafters in Anaheim. Um, yeah. which is a lot more feasible when you're talking about greatness. If you're talking about greatness on a team, it's easier to put a player that doesn't have those insane numbers um, overall for their career up in the rafters. So I, I could definitely see that. Whereas like, you look at Scotty and Solani uh, and even Paul, they were probably the best of their position at some point in their career. I mean, clearly, Tamu and Scotty were. It's arguable for Paul. I know a lot of people kind of like to push back on Paul Korea. Even I was on the borderline, even though he's my favorite player ever, about getting him to the hall, but I was glad he went. Because yeah. he was a point per game guy, and I thought you know he's dominant enough, played in all star games, and and uh, did enough in his career to get that. But uh, yeah, I, I think I think is going to get there. I do think he's going to get there for sure. Yeah, he'll get there. And I, you know, I haven't I haven't seen a single goalie uh, wear thirty five since he was here. That might be one of those numbers where everyone kind of just goalies just don't really touch it. Um, so if it's not touched for long enough, I guess kind of say why not um, at this point. But, uh, yeah, I feel like he, he should have his number in there. I just don't know when it'll be. Uh, they've done, you know, three in the last three years. Four I think years. they're probably going to take yeah. a, a little breather to this year. That's kind of crazy. So, um, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll probably wait and see. But uh, I feel at some point he'll get his due because he's still still beloved. People think of him fondly here. So, I mean, it's, it's hard to kind of take that away. Well, that is it for us on tonight's show. Shout out to uh, CoolHockey.com. That's the one that gives away the jerseys for you guys who participate in the Forever Mighty 3-star leaderboard in every single game. We post the questions. You answer them. You get points. We tally up those points, or Ed tallies up those points in his Canadian way and is able to come up with some sort of scheme on who wins at the end. <laughs> Apparently, people who have picks. the most points, something like that. <laughs> but uh, CoolHockey.com, go check them out. Use our, our, uh, our Forever Mighty code, FM20, to get you 20% off any jersey there. They customize them all. They're legit, and yes. they're they're awesome. I mean, and no one who's gotten one from us has had any sort of complaints whatsoever. They're, they're, they're perfect jerseys coming from CoolHockey.com, so go check them out. And then also check us out on social media, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and also our Patreon feed as well. Um, we're doing a lot of bonus shows there every month, four to be exact, plus watch parties, which uh, we are doing one March 23rd against the Kings. That's the next uh, watch party show. The location is being solidified as we speak. We'll have more information on that as we get closer to the date. We'll probably announce that here towards the end of the month on a permanent place, time, and all. Um, once we get some special items on the happy hour menu figured out, once I get that figured out 100%, we'll announce that. Um, yep. gee, it's going to be fun. So Yes, I'm looking forward to it. We're going to have a lot of prizes on that one. We're kind of gearing things up to make sure that happens. Yeah, especially get this win streak going, right? Get back into the yeah. playoffs. Oh, no, let's not oh, do that. Sure. Let's just, as long as we win that day, <laughs> if we win that day, yeah. it'll be a happy day. Yeah, I don't want to lose against the Kings. Well, All right, guys. Unless, unless it's for Hughes. Right. Yeah. If you had to lose yeah. the rest of the games, do you get Jack Hughes? That's a, that's a good that's a good prize into the tunnel. That's I'll a tough yeah, post game yeah, show win, I guess. for the next twenty three games. But uh, <laughs> but yeah. Thank you everyone for tuning in. We'll talk to you guys here on Tuesday night. Have a good one. Bye guys.